Griffiths again. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Pure Fitma podcast. I'm joined by my usual co-host Greg. How are you, Greg? I'm good, thanks, Reese. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. And Danny, how are you, Danny? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you, Reese. We're here to talk about the upcoming World Cup playoff semi-final against Ukraine. And before we start with that, we should maybe cover what's happened in the in the time since our last podcast. So we had two friendly matches because our obviously this game was postponed. And we played Poland at home and Austria away, drawing both games. Is there much we want to add on that? Um, I think the Poland game was quite... A- a positive performance and I came away uh, feeling pretty hard done by with the, the kind of penalty at the end where the dubious penalty at the end and thought that you know even though Poland had rested a couple of players that we performed well and we actually had a, had a lot of the ball created a lot of chances and uh, it kind of seemed like a, a turning point for me that you know usually you'd be expecting Poland to come and and give us a, a really tough game and we'd be hanging on slightly but I thought it was kind of the opposite Um and yeah, it was kind of good football to watch for a, for a a Scotland home friendly. Yeah, I also think we have to mention McGinn's goal against Austria, which I, if I recall correctly, was a bit 2011 prime Barcelona up the left wing, cut back, which he finished. I mean, that was a bit of a hectic game. Scotland went 2-0 up and then kind of were under siege from Austria for a long time. But that goal was just showed how far Scotland have come because I can't remember and scoring a goal as good as football as that for a long time. Yeah, I've got to be honest with that game. I was away on holiday and um, I couldn't watch the game so I, I missed it but when I got back and I watched the highlights after you're right, it was like prime it was like prime pep football or something. Nothing like we've seen before with Scotland but yeah, definitely definitely some positives to take from, from those friendlies but um, moving on to the important stuff and uh, let's talk about the squad. So we've got some injuries uh, th- to talk about. We've got Keane Tierney, who's probably the biggest the biggest loss. We've got Ryan Jack. We've got Kenny McLean. And then we've got Patterson, who is missing from at least the first game, but we don't quite know yet. What would you like to add about that, Greg? Yeah, I think, as you say, Kieran Tierney is also the hu- biggest miss. He's a huge part of the way that we play with that kind of double, double threat down the left-hand side. and. He's also someone that there's not really a like for like replacement in the in the squad or out with the squad for somebody else to to get called up. So I think that will be a, a huge huge loss and will require us to kind of adjust how we play, um, which I'm sure we'll we'll come on to. Yeah, for sure, uh, and that's one of the biggest kind of points of debate, isn't it? How do we replace that kind of outlet we have at left centre back? We get so much out from Tierney. We get the overlapping of Robert, onto Robertson. We get the kind of progressive passing out. And who do you guys think should be the person to come in, come in at that left centre back role? I'm gonna. I know this has been quite a hot topic amongst a few people on Twitter, but I kind of lean towards Robertson playing there. And I know that sounds wild because he's just been so successful at wing back. 
but he is also a very good defender and can play that role. And he's very good at, at, at cutting inside like Tierney does when he plays for Scotland. I think we saw that a lot on Saturday alone in the Champions League final. Robertson was inverting quite a lot. So we know he can do that. Who you play outside, I mean, Hickey's there but doesn't have much experience. So I get that sort of side of it. But I, I am intrigued to see Robertson in the left centre-back role. That's something that I think I was thinking watching the final. It was almost like teasing us because he was he was playing a lot in like the kind of inside spaces, and it's that's just not something that you associate with Andy Robertson. So it's interesting because if you'd asked me that like I don't know six months ago, a year ago, I would have been like he's just a totally bad fit for that, and like I wouldn't have expected that to kind of come about. But it's it's something I don't expect to happen. But maybe going forwards, if we have more injustices with Keen Tierney, as we know can happen it's maybe something we could look at yeah it's i would say it's as good as it it does sound that we would have that option to bring robertson inside and it's maybe something that you know would be possible in future i think for this game we won't see it i'm almost certain we won't see it happen but then we do have a lot of nations league games you know hopefully not a friendly against austria on sunday um but we do have lots of games coming up that you know, without Tierney is something that we could kind of experiment with. So I would say I'm not kind of leaning towards that for this Ukraine game, but definitely the future is something that wouldn't be wouldn't be harming in trying it, trying it out. Um, but in terms of the Ukraine game, for me, it's got to be Scott McKenna at left centre-back, to be honest. Um, I think it's probably most likely between him or Liam Cooper. But um, I definitely think Liam Cooper has... He's had much more of a stop-start season for Leeds than McKenna has had at Forest, um, and Liam Cooper's more set, um, suited to the this more central role in the three. I would say so. For me, it's got to be Scott McKenna. Although, for having watched him in in Scotland playing for Aberdeen, etc., I can't say I've seen much of him at Forest. But for me, he's never been the most mobile. And if I would want him defending out in the wide areas, I'm not too sure. Um, but. I think from what we've got in the squad, it'd be McKenna for me. Yeah, just to go back on Greg's point as well, I think while Tierney's always managed to turn up and be available for Scotland, he's not at club level, which has become quite a frustration for a lot of Arsenal fans, I think, and and they're even looking to Hickey now. So I think we have to use the Nations League games coming up to kind of try things without him because we don't know how fit he's going to be going forward. He's had so many injury problems and they just don't seem to be going away. And then on McKenna, I think he also has that experience as a left centre-back. Um, Forrest play with three at the back. He's looked a bit more mobile than he used to. I mean, there's quite a viral clip on Twitter of him doing some outrageous skill in a championship game recently, which was amazing if you've seen it. But yeah, I think if it's not my Robertson experiment that I kind of see in my head, then I, I would want McKenna there. For a second there, Danny, I thought you were just getting a bit weirdly possessive of Liverpool players with my Robertson, but you, you recovered it. I do that a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, that is true. But yeah, before we talk about the rest of the selection things, I think we could cover a couple of things about the squad more generally. So there's some new call-ups. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've got uh, Campbell and Ross Stewart noted down here. I don't know if there's any others, so, but... Um, I'll come to you, Greg, because you, you like Campbell. Do you, do you want to tell us a bit about him? I think like is a gross understatement. Um, I think I'm actually quite surprised that he has been called up. Um, 
just so early in his in his career after moving down south to Luton last summer. If for anyone who doesn't kind of follow, follow the Scottish League too closely, he he's been at, at Motherwell, um, all through the the ranks, and he before the age of of twenty two, he had already uh, racked up close to two hundred first team appearances for us. So, you know, a really experienced player for his age. He's a dogged midfielder who presses so well. Um, he also seems to have added a couple of strings to his bow. In, in the championship in England with kind of bursting forward, arriving late to, to score a couple of important goals. The one thing I'd say is he's probably not someone who fits the system, the, the kind of midfield pivot. He's not a McGregor type. He's not a Gilmore type. He's nowhere near as comfortable on the ball as either of those two. But if we were to go to a, a flat midfield three, he's maybe someone who would be useful to kind of shuttle in between um defence and attack um, so yeah I can't see him getting any great game time I can't see him replacing either of, of Gilmore or McGregor but he's definitely someone who you know hopefully in time will, will become a, a regular for Scotland well hopefully in my opinion anyway I'd love to see that happen It's interesting you say that because um, that's kind of that kind of profile midfielder is like the only the only way I see like McTominay getting into the midfield Um I can I can imagine him like if we had a th- the kind of flat three like the kind of box to box role. I just don't think uh, like I don't think there's a place for a McTominay or even a Campbell and like that double that double pivot we're, we're we're relying on more of a we want more of a kind of playmaker like a like a Ryan Jack, Bill Gilmore, uh, McGregor kind of thing. So it's interesting you say that because I wonder if um if there are some doubts about McTominay's fitness if if that's something that that could happen. But I mean that's probably a bit of a stretch. And the other is Ross Stewart, and we know that he's been uh, banging the goals in for Sunderland this season. Have either of you had a chance to watch him at all? Yeah, I've seen a bit of Ross Stewart um, this season, and I think it's safe to say that he's been a firm favourite of, of every Sunderland fan and um, and various people down south who've been uh, watching kind of League One more carefully than I have. But I've certainly seen a bit of him think up up here in Scotland, he kind of got labelled as a, a striker who does a lot of good things but doesn't really put the ball in the net that often, but that's something he's certainly changed uh, this season. He's got 29 goal contributions in, in League One alone. He's really been the focal point for Sunderland this year who have, have gone and got promoted and he's he scored big goals at, at important times for them, including in the playoff final. So, um, yeah, he's a big rangy striker who has scored goals. He can do do the running, he can hold the ball up too, he's also an aggressive presser so I think he's someone that definitely fits the mould, that Dykes mould, um, although I'd say he's maybe slightly more mobile than, than Dykes, in my opinion And let's not forget he's the Loch Ness Drogba, so uh, Enough for that, thanks Yeah, the best nickname ever is that But yeah, so the last thing about the squad was the first listener question, which we're just kind of going to blend through the podcast. A lot of the questions we had were basically just like our running order. So my cousin Adam asks, are there any players who have missed out that you think uh, we should have had in? Or you could rephrase that to be like, who's unlucky to miss out? Do you have any suggestions? I mean, overall, I don't think there is really. Uh, you could maybe look towards some of the players playing in the championship was Callum Naismith at Luton who have had an unreal season and he's been great for them but overall I, I don't think I think that squad is very much what the squad should be there's no big shocks for me 
personally. Yeah, I'd add the Cal Neesmith argument and perhaps even a Stephen Kingsley argument in there. Now, for me, neither of those players would get into the Scotland starting eleven or really challenge for a, a, a space in the squad ordinarily. But without Tierney, without having that kind of solid backup, you know, he's going to come and, and slot in quite nicely at left centre half. I think that maybe one of those two could be in with a shout. However, it is a big game. The the biggest game is is the first in in our our five games that we're going to have. So. Yeah, that would have been a risk. But if you say unlucky to miss out, you can maybe put um, Naismith or, or Kingsley in there. Um, but apart from that, I don't think there, we can have many complaints about the, the squad selection. Yeah, I, I don't have any complaints, to be honest. But it's interesting you say that because Kingsley's the one that jumps out to me as we're talking about how do we replace this kind of ball-playing ability um, and the kind of progressive outlet that uh, Tierney gives us. And I think that, yeah, Kingsley's probably the person that, has the best shout there. I can't say I've watched that much in Naismith really, so I don't think I can comment on him. But yeah, that's um that's probably the two that stand out to me as well. So let's move on to kind of previewing Ukraine then. And we've sort of done a little bit of this already, but the first thing I've got down here is how are we going to line up? So we've kind of we've kind of done left centre back to death, haven't we? I think we've all pretty much agreed that it's most likely to be McKenna. I want to add as well that I definitely don't want to see Cooper on the left. I think he's got to be in the middle if he's playing. I just don't think he's got the, the mobility to be up, to be out in the left there. And the next one would be who do we think should start out right centre-back? So the two main contenders are probably McTominay or Suter. Um, some might say Hendry as well. So who wants to come in on that one? I think I'd prefer Suter right now. And that's not my anti-United bias, but I just don't think McTominay has looked confident or good for, for a while. And I know that players play different for Scotland and he plays a completely different role for Scotland than he does United. But I think you have to factor that into it. He just, he, he plays within himself. He doesn't play with any confidence. He, he can shy away from the ball. I think it's been, all been said quite a bit before. Whereas Suter, when he's came in recently, has looked very comfortable in that role. He knows it well. Yeah, so I, I think I would I would lean Suter over McTominay as of right now. But I, I understand that McTominay does play very differently for Scotland than he does for United. I think the the one thing that will maybe play in McTominay's favour in terms of the selection is the fact that Kieran Tierney is out. And if you're looking for somebody to step into midfield with the ball at feet, then maybe McTominay could provide that balance on the right-hand side. However, as we all know, Scotland kind of really focus their build-up around the left with that overlap from Tierney around Robertson, etc. So, um, you know, maybe that's not something that is really coming to the thoughts of Steve Clark. But you certainly can't say that, that John Suter would be not deserving of a, a starting place, especially after his great performance against Denmark. And although he's not played a lot of football for Hearts recently, he came in for the Scottish Cup final and had a stellar performance. So... Yeah, for me, I'd probably, to be honest, be happy with, with either of those at, at the, the right of the back three. Yeah, I was going to make the argument for McTominay on like upheaval and like not wanting to change too much, but now you say that, like Suter played, um, has probably played as much as McTominay has recently in the back three for Scotland, so is it really that much of a change? They're probably like not too far off each other in terms of like knowing the system and things like that. So... Um, We'll move on to the next one, and that'll be at right wing back because Patterson, as far as we're aware, is missing for the first for the first game. Well, for the big game, 
Uh, so we're looking at Ralston and Stephen O'Donnell. So what do you think about that, Greg? Who would you have? Well, I think that the the worlds are aligned for Stephen O'Donnell's Scotland career to just keep on going and keep on going. And uh, he's now got over 25 caps. Um, with Patterson getting injured, I, th- I think Steve Clark will go for O'Donnell. Um, he has not had a great season for Motherwell at all. However, in the last two games, he's been playing at right wing back. He has probably had his two best performances in a Motherwell shirt against Ross County and against Hearts in two really big games for us that uh, secured his European qualification. So, yeah, I, I think it's harsh on Anthony Ralston especially because he's been playing a lot for Celtic towards the end of the season and has continued to perform well. But I think O'Donnell will be trusted with it again. And I also think that these big games, O'Donnell, like against Denmark, has always done what's been asked of him. And... I think that, that that will be the choice for, for Steve Clark. I agree. I think that Clark will stick with O'Donnell because he knows him and he's never done him wrong. Like As much as O'Donnell can struggle, I know Greg's been on this pod before and said, I don't see how he plays for Scot- or starts for Scotland. He just he comes back in and he plays so well for us. It's too big a game t- to test Ralston. I, I know he's performed really well for for Celtic this season but he is an unknown quantity on, on this stage we don't really know how he fits in this Scotland team like for a sustained period of time or on a, a big game stage so I think while O'Donnell might not give you some of the attacking that Ralston has, has provided this season he, he provides a solid base uh, and he just he knows his job so yeah I think it will be him and I think I'd lean towards him yeah, there's a little bit of, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it for Steve Clark, And that's not necessarily what I think, but I think that's what he'll be going towards because it's a big game. Does he want to take unnecessary risks? It's also, like, I've been kind of in favour of Ralston getting more game time. And I think in the Nations League games, definitely want to see it. But it's got a different role to what he plays at Celtic. Like, it's not de- it's not, it's not really similar at all. Like, the Celtic's fullbacks have very different jobs to Scotland's wingbacks. So it's, it, it's not exactly, like, a, a sort of easy easy transition for him. I think in time, um, I'd like to see it as Patterson and Ralston as the two the two vying for that spot. But as of for this game, I think I think we probably are going to see it just stick with the safe option. Another thing to add about O'Donnell is that his fitness levels and his tenacity and his, his pressing off the ball is actually his best attribute. We all know that he's looked out of place when he's been on the ball. But, you know, Scotland don't rely on Stephen O'Donnell having the ball. We rely on that left-hand side. Now, you maybe could argue that, okay, without Tierney, the left-hand side might not be as effective. We maybe need something more attacking-minded, more technical on the right-hand side. But we might not have too much of the ball in this kind of game. You know, we we have seen Steve Clark kind of be slightly more cautious in, in the bigger games, which has worked for us. So I think O'Donnell will... We'll start and we'll do a, a job as he always does for us. Yeah, also, I think when you're in a system as Ange Postecoglou has at Celtic with Roust and everything is so ball-dominant and the attack is, is structured, so like he knows where to be at the exact right time, what position to be in. He won't have that in that role at, at, at Scotland, so it's more difficult for him to be impactful going, going forward. 
we know we kind of attack more down the left, although Patterson has been great down the right at times. So you're taking away maybe some of that solidness um, you, you get with O'Donnell because he knows the system and how to defend in that system for maybe not so much of a benefit in an attacking sense, although that might be harsh on Ralston's ability. So next up, I guess we just need to we need to confirm we we definitely think we're going to be playing the kind of three four three, don't we, with McGinn and Jay Adams as two of the kind of forwards. So the other spot is up for grabs. Who's that third forward going to be? I guess we're looking at Ryan Christie. Anyone anyone else got got a good argument to be there? I think I would go with Christie. Um, I can see the argument maybe for more of a a presence in Dykes or Stewart. But I prefer Christie there. Christie's looked great for Bournemouth this season in the Championship as they went up. I know he can be a bit frustrating at times, but he is just a really good player. And I think those three kind of mesh well together. So, yeah, I I can see why you'd maybe, as Steve Clark, want someone a bit more physically dominant up there. But but Che Adams can handle himself in that sense. And, and I think that I'd want Christie and McGinn playing off him rather than... Adams and McGinn playing off a of Dykes at this moment in time. I just see no reason to change it. Yeah, I'm definitely wanting wanting the McGinn, Christie, and and Adams front three. Are you are you along the same lines, Greg? Yeah, I th- think so. As much as Christie, as Danny mentioned, it has been frustrating. Um, you know, he performed really well against Denmark in that two 0 win. Um, and. Yeah, he is, he's frustrating with his, his long shooting. I think he's managed to kind of tone that down slightly in the championship. However, that can come into play when if we have a, a tough game, we might not have too much of the ball. We might, to be fair. Sometimes Ukraine seem to, to set off teams. It's quite hard to, to kind of uh, predict how they're going to approach the game. But if we don't have too much of the ball, sometimes that snapshot from the edge of the box is going to be a big chance. And you know, with your McGinn and Christie partnership, that certainly gives you that. Um, and I'd also say that, you know, we are going to press high. Um, we've seen that with with the, the Clark system allows us to do that. And I think Christie is, is really perfect for that as well. Yeah, Christie's mobility and sort of like effort off the ball is like invaluable there. So I think I think it's fairly fairly clear that he's gonna he's gonna play there. So moving on, I think we're gonna talk a little bit about Ukraine, like how how they've played recently, because they've obviously been on a bit of a tour, playing some friendly games, but also looking at how they've played competitively just over the last year or so. And I think you've done some Y scout digging, haven't you? And kind of got some underlying numbers and sort of looked at the results. So I don't know if was it you, Greg, that done that? Yeah, so I had a a brief look at kind of Ukraine and how they've been performing recently. Obviously, the the major major caveat is that everything that's going on in the country and how their preparation has been affected by that. But as you mentioned, they have been on a training camp and playing uh, friendlies against some club sides recently. So without all of the players based outside of the Ukraine, they have beaten a full-strength Bruce Munich and Gladbach side 2-1 and also in Poly from Italy 3-1. So, you know, you can clearly see that they have got some form. They've had some match experience recently, more recent than, than Scotland have as, as a team as well. But, you know, it's quite hard to, to take too much from those games, you know, with being the being friendlies against club sides, which which doesn't happen very often. They obviously finished second in their 
World Cup qualification group with uh, France, Finland, Bosnia and Kazakhstan being in their group. So it was a, a team less than in, in our group. And in that qualification campaign, they drew twice with Kazakhstan. Now, obviously, we had our, our infamous 3-0 defeat away in Kazakhstan recently. Um, however, I'd like to think we've come on a, a long, long way since then. Um, and they also drew with Bosnia and Finland in qualifying. So we can see that they're not a dominant team. They don't only struggle against the big teams and whitewash teams below them. Um, they've definitely got a, a slip-up in them. Um, however, they also were unbeaten against France in the campaign with two draws. So the big games may maybe suit them. Maybe that counter-attacking style of play does suit them slightly more. Um, but I definitely think it's something that that we just need to be wary of is, you know, they are going to be very up for the game. They've also got a lot of big players from from other parts in Europe who are going to be joining up with their squad or have already joined up with their squad. So certainly a, a tough team to come up against. But what are we expecting in terms of um, the approach they'll take? Do we think that they're going to be they'll set off of us, or do we think that they're going to they're going to attack us? Are they going to are they going to come come in and kind of press us high? I think that they they'll they'll try and sit in to begin with and, and hit Scotland on the counter. They have some really talented players. They have um, Juremchuk, who's at Benfica. They have Mikalenko, who's Everton's left back, who's done well since coming in in January. They've got Zinchenko of City, and then one of my favorite players to watch. They've got um, Malinowski. Um, of Atalanta and I think one thing that Scotland particularly need to look out for is, is setting off him around the edge of the box or conceding kind of cheap set pieces and shooting areas because he has one of the best long shots I think I've ever seen he he hits them at an incredible pace with little to no back lift and just consistently finds the target and we know we've conceded goals from around the edge of the box quite a few times especially if you think back to Modric's goal for Croatia at the Euros. So I think that is one thing in particular to look out for from a Ukraine standpoint. I'm very glad you said that, Danny, because I could not think of his name for the life of me. <laughs> and I was like, I want to mention this guy that's class at long shots, and I just could not picture his name. So <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it. But yeah, that's that one thing I do think as well. I'm just reiterating what you said. I think we need to be careful of that. But I do think if we're... If we're going to approach it how we've approached recent home games, we're going to be on the front foot. We're going to be very aggressive, and I think that um, I don't think that's something we need to worry about. At least in the kind of in the opening stages, I think we're going to go out there and we're going to really we're going to really press them high and be aggressive. Um, so hopefully that's not too much of a worry for us. Yeah, I think the kind of research that I did as well backs up Danny's point that I think they will look to to sit in to start with. At least um, they seem to be quite counter attacking and and in big games in the Euros or in, in qualifiers against higher ranked teams. Um one thing I would I'd like to mention is they're quite flexible with, with how they play. So a lot of the time they've been playing a three at the back, a, a similar three four three system to ourselves, but they, they also play four three three. Um it looks to me that when they've not got any notable injuries or suspensions that they like to play Mikalenko is that left back or left wing back and uh, Alexander Zinchenko um, of Man City plays inside in a kind of central midfield role however we all know about his versatility and I think they've definitely got a lot of different options to to explore um, 
Another player I'd, I'd like to highlight from a Ukraine point of view is uh, Matt Vienko. He's a, a left-sided left centre-back um, from Shakhtar Donetsk and uh, he's very strong in the air and he's also brilliant at progressing the ball forward. So someone that we need to be aware of and maybe someone that we'd like to to make sure that we're, we're pressing effectively. Um, and for me, again, that goes back to the, the, the Christie debate for the, the front three. I also think another thing that, that we could maybe look out for is that the right winger is Yarmolenko of West Ham, who, while he's a winger, he's he's, he's big and he's good uh, at finding space and, and using his head and, and being a threat in the box. So maybe McKenna being that left centre-back and kind of covering where he comes in will play a big factor into it because if it's Tierney, you can kind of expect them to, to aim for that back post and try and, and take advantage of a height difference. Whereas if it's McKenna, we know he can can be good in the air. So maybe that become doesn't become so much of a threat, but it is still something to look out for. Yeah, that's a good point to make there, actually. Um, the kind of physicality McKenna's got. And another thing we've got uh, noted down is the XG of um, each team over the last year in competitive fixtures, it has to be said. So this isn't counting the recent games that they've been playing against uh, sort of club teams and stuff and friendlies. But we've got Ukraine down as having an average XG of 1.37 and an average XG against of 1.46. So that's basically saying that on average they've been conceding a higher quality of chance than they've been get, having themselves. Meanwhile, Scotland, we're down for an, an average XG per game of 1.7 and an XG against of 0.96. So we're actually consistently creating a better quality of chance chances in a game than we're conceding. So really, if we're going off like the the kind of level of performance over the last year, we've got nothing to be scared of here. Yeah, also I think while Ukraine did really well in the Euros, uh, was it two summers ago now? They, a lot's changed for them. Just in like a managerial sense, um, Shevchenko was their manager back then. He's not now, so they've kind of gone through a bit of change. While Scotland have kind of kept this solid base, maybe added a bit to it with Gilmore coming through and things like that. But but they've had to sort of adapt to a new manager. Obviously, a lot of their team is is Dynamo Kiev and and Shakhtar Donetsk players, and and they kind of relied on a lot of them combinations peppered with like sort of more elite players from like Atalanta, Benfica, West Ham and things like that. And and a lot of these players won't have had regular game time, unfortunately, because of what's going on. So I think there are a lot of factors that that come into Ukraine as well over the past kind of two years, like within just within football. Yeah, you make, you make a good point there. And I think uh, yeah, it's, it's important to, to sort of highlight what's going on. You never know that that could play as like a motivating factor. It could also be a disruptive factor where they haven't had the they haven't had the regular club level game time. So let's do some predictions because predictions are always fun, and I want to hear what what you think the score will be, Danny. Oh, first up, <laughs> hadn't thought about this too much. Um, I will go for two one to Scotland, and it's going to be one one with about 10, 15 minutes to go before someone scores. Don't ask me who that is. So Hamden's going to erupt again. And Greg, what do you think the score will be? Um, I really do not want to predict the Scotland win because the likelihood is that I'll be very wrong. Um, but I think I can see it going to full length. I can see it going to extra time. And I'm hoping that 
you know, we've got the fitness in the squad, we've got the squad depth as well to go that extra yard and extra time. And obviously, if it's if it goes to penalties, we've not got any problems. So I reckon it will be a Scotland win in extra time. I will go for, a, I'll go two one, but in extra time. Right. So the pressure's on me now because if we say three Scotland wins, we're gonna have we're gonna have an absolute ready if we don't win. Oh, right. I'm gonna say it goes all the way to penalties, and we win on penalties, and we're gonna have. John McGinn hit the fifth penalty and and it puts us through. But I say that and I'm 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 worried because I think that it's um it's it's gonna be a tough game no matter what. And I, I think that I'm being honest that if, if we are gonna lose to them, there's probably not a team, there's no team I would rather lose to. Yeah, I think you also have got to remember that outside of Scotland, I'm pretty sure every other nation um in the world, obviously apart from Russia, uh, would be wanting Ukraine to, to come and, and uh, be there at the World Cup to, to show what they can do, especially with, with Russia being banned from the from the competition. So, yeah, as you say, obviously we're we're still hoping for a, a Scotland result and to have the opportunity to, to win the playoff final against Wales. But if Ukraine go and do it, which they're very capable of doing, then you couldn't really have any complaints, especially with what they've they've been through recently. There's also some Scottish people that want Ukraine to win, like Graham Souness, I think we should also add. Yeah, enough about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely we don't we don't need we don't need to talk about that. And yeah, just to, to finish off the pod, I think we're we've kind of done all the listener questions, even if we haven't mentioned them, because a lot of the running order was was kind of similar to the questions, but we had a question uh, on Twitter, and it was: uh, Are those who did well domestically, like Starfelt, Ferguson, and Turnbull, seen as starters? Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Greg? Yeah, I mean, as much as Carl Starfelt has had a good season for Celtic, I think he'd be doing extremely well to get in the Scotland squad, considering he's Swedish. So uh, I'm not sure if that listener maybe got slightly confused, uh, but thanks for the question anyway. Um, in terms of of Ferguson. I don't think Lewis Ferguson will be a starter for Scotland until we maybe see a slight change of of um of system. You know, with McGregor and Gilmore there, I'd say that is the two most settled position in the team. Um, obviously apart from Tierney and Robertson, if they're both fit, you know, he's he he can operate in a deeper midfield role. He can also operate slightly higher up in that kind of eight role and and pushing forward. And I think that's probably where he is the best. However, I can't see him starting any time soon. And in terms of Turnbull, uh, I'm a huge, huge David Turnbull fan, as people can probably guess with my mother allegiances. But again, I don't think he really completely fits the, the plan or the, or certainly the the initial plan that we seem to approach games with. You know, he, great player on the ball. He's used to playing a more higher higher up role than you know your your Gilmore's or, or McGregor would be and if he's to play that one up next to McGinn I just don't think he's maybe got that kind of off the ball press although that has been improving under Ange Postacoglu at Celtic I just don't think he's quite there um, for the national team level yet um, so yeah that kind of covers those the, the three people in the question One thing that I, it's not so much relevant to this squad but Sort of moving forward, I think we're going to see a lot more 
Scottish players getting experience in European football with the Conference League and you know, old Greg's buzzing because Motherwell have qualified. Like so, I think there's five Scottish teams next season that are at least going to play a qualifier f- for a European competition, and that can only be good for the national team in general. So yeah, that that'll be interesting to see going forward, especially as it mean might mean that players don't move away domestically quite as quickly. But oh, that remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm sure that 180 minutes of uh, second qualifying round Europa Conference League football did the national team wonders. Yeah, I know. Um... Well, it remains to be seen how, how far they all get but obviously wishing the best of luck um, I think it's it's hard to sort of guaranteed group stage football isn't it and then obviously Celtic and Rangers Celtic in the Champions League and Rangers went into the Champions League qualifiers so I mean there's a there's a, a very good chance we're going to have three group stage teams which is better than we've had in in a, lo- a long time anyway so the the last listener question is uh, we're going to talk about Robertson's antics and I'm not. I'm not sure. Are we gonna? Are we gonna go? Gonna go full gammon and get and get raging about this? Uh, what do you think, Danny? I have a feeling. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> well, I mean, for those that know, I am a Liverpool fan, so maybe I'll be a bit less harsh on him than than most. I mean, it's been a long, long season for Robertson. He's played well. He's not played every single game, but they've been in every single game they could have possibly played. They came up a bit short in the end, but. I think we need to remember that footballers are kind of human at the end of the day and he probably needed that release. I mean, I've got no problems with him doing it. I mean, he'll be there on Wednesday. He'll he'll start. He'll probably play 90 minutes. So, no, I think others might be a bit more harsh on him, but I have rose-tinted glasses right now, so I'll let him off the hook. Yeah, I think it's hard to judge from one... 20 second video or, or whatever it was on on the Liverpool social media I think you know he might have had a beer in his hand at the time and that could have been his only beer for the night so you know I think you could certainly let him off for this I'm sure he's a captain of the the national team he's a very experienced player now with over 50 caps and vast experience in European football so I don't think he'll have been uh, overdoing it or anything like that I think that's people just getting slightly paranoid and rightly so to be fair I'm feeling it a bit as well yeah I think that I think that people are just freaking out a little bit and to be honest when I first saw it I I was a little bit sort of miffed but the more you think about it I, I don't think he's done anything without sort of Steve Clark's blessing there's no way that he's been out on the booze and Steve Clark's not known about it or not or whatever. Like, I don't think he's been out on the booze either, really. I think he's probably he's probably had a couple of beers, maybe three. But you know, I I I, I was a bit annoyed about it at first, but the more I've thought about it, the the less I care. To be quite honest, I think a player reputation kind of comes into it too. I think you're most people give Robertson the benefit of the doubt because he's not really got previous of of this sort of stuff he's not someone to be late to training or anything like that like he is the cap- the captain of the national team he is by all accounts like a really stand-up person so if this was like incident number three or four I think yeah be concerned but a one-off and then in, in, in an environment where he knows he's the captain I don't think there's real cause for concern there yeah I more, I more or less agree I think I think we can we can probably agree to, to let him off with that one and I think that brings us to the end. So thanks for that, guys. And where can they where can they find you? If this is the first time you've been listening to the podcast, where where can people find you guys? Uh, you can find myself uh, on Twitter at Greg the Well Fan for some motherful bias 
and some Scottish football stats, I'd say. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Calcio underscore Danny. I'm not tweeting much right now because I'm a bit depressed about football, but I'm hoping Scotland can pick my spirits up this Wednesday. That's great. And you can find me at RTJNK on Twitter. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Oh, I pray.